morning, everyone. It's a privilege to be with you guys this morning and fill in for uh, Pastor Sam King. And I uh, just want to uh, read from John 11. And uh, if we can go um, to verse 21. So John 11, 21. Um, and says, And Martha therefore said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, Your brother shall rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, Yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. And when he had said this, uh, she went away and called Mary, her sister, saying, Secretly, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she arose quickly and was coming to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still at the place where Martha met him. And the Jews then, who were with her in the house and consoling her when they saw Mary, rose up quickly and went out, followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Therefore, when Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him and fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. And so the Jews were saying, Behold how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not this man who opened the eyes of him who was blind have kept this man also from dying? Jesus therefore again began deep, uh, being deeply moved within, came to the tomb. Now it was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. And Jesus said, Remove the stone. Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be a stench, for he had been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you, If you believe, you'll see the glory of God? And so he removed the stone, and Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou heardest me. I knew that thou heardest me always, but because of the people standing around, I said that they may believe that thou didst send me. And when he had said this, these things, he cried out the loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came forth, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. He said to him, Unbind him and let him go. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you God, for this morning. Thank you for uh, God, these uh, faithful saints, Lord, that have uh, wakened up early, Lord, to come and to listen to your word and to pray, God, uh, for this church and for the purposes of God through this body. Uh, Lord, I just pray for a blessing, God. I pray that you would speak to all of us uh, this morning, Lord, uh, that you would uh, really encounter us, God. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, it's interesting, I actually thought of doing something else with this passage, but I mean, just sitting here, you know, I feel like maybe this is something that God wants to say to us uh, this morning. And um, obviously you guys came to pray. And so uh, I'm going to talk about prayer uh, for a, a bit. And in a really simple way of, of, because, you know, we're coming to pray. What are, what are the types of prayers that God answers and what kind of prayers does God not answer? 
Um, and, I, and I see this really incredible story in the life of Mary and Martha. If you notice Jesus, uh, and you know, this, this, this passage is actually a little bit troubling, especially if you read beforehand, because obviously Jesus knows uh, that Lazarus is sick, uh, but then he, he says very clearly that he actually stays behind a little bit longer. And there's probably nothing more painful uh, in, I mean, there's a lot of painful things, but one of the very painful things about our Christian existence is delayed prayer. So it's like, God, you know, I need this. Like, you know that this needs to happen. You know that my mom needs to be healed. You know, you know that, you know, uh, my kids, I need this promotion to take care of my family and so on and so forth. And we know that God knows, but he still delays. Jesus, uh, aware of this situation, but, you know, the text says, but he waited three days longer. And, uh, um, but that's all, I mean, that, you have to preface all that by looking at the passage. And John very, easily, very well states that Jesus loved Mary, Martha, Lazarus. But he stays three days longer. And those three days are catastrophic. Because in those three days, Lazarus dies. And I'm sure that we've been in those situations where like, we need a, Lord, I need an answered prayer like yesterday. And what's one of the first things that happens to us? We ask, Lord, do you really love me? Like, do you even care about me? Do you know what I'm going through? And rest assured when we read this passage, you know that he does. He says very clearly, Jesus loves, he prefaces the whole thing. Jesus loves Mary, Martha, Lazarus. But he waited three days. And so you have to come to this conclusion that yes, God cares about me. Yes, God loves me, my family, but he has a plan. And a lot of times when we, when we don't understand things that happen in our lives, when we read the scriptures and don't understand, you need to investigate a little bit. I remember when I first got, uh, uh, became a Christian, and even before that, uh, Genesis 22 used to scare the daylights out of me. Uh, because Genesis 22 is you know, Abraham and Isaac. And uh, I, I, Abraham waits basically 100 years uh, to get a son. And then he comes, and then what does God say? Kill him for me. What is this craziness that happens here? And, and, and I, I wanted to have kids. Um, and so I thought, man, if I wait this long to have kids, and all of a sudden God's going to say, I want your kid. Um, I just think that just seems so unfair. But when I go back to Genesis 22, actually, the understanding happens in verse 1. If you don't catch verse 1, you won't understand the rest of Genesis 22. And in Genesis 22, 1, he says, And after these things, God asked Abram to take his son up to the mountain. And, and that, that, that phrase, after these things, actually says everything. Because we think in our kind of elementary idea that God's going to ask, all, you know, just a you know, brand new baby Christian, hey, just give me your kid, you know, just give me, give me, sacrifice your child. Of course he's not going to ask that. And so it was after these things in the sense that Abraham had such a rich life with God. 
Abraham had gone through so much with God that God had the right, the permission in a way to ask Abraham. And what did Abraham say? Sure. Yes, sir. It was, it was, it was, it was like a no-brainer for him. And if you actually read the text carefully, it was pretty clear that Abraham said had such a rich life with God that Abraham knew that God would resurrect his son. Remember, he tells the, the, uh, the servants that are with them, he says, you guys stay here, we're going to go, and we will come back. And so that's, that's a statement of faith. He knew. He, he, had, he had such a life in God. He had such faith that even if he had killed his son, he knew that God would resurrect him. Now, obviously, many of us don't have that kind of faith. And so I don't think God's going to ask you to, to give up your son. Well, I should say it in a different way. God is clearly asking all of us to give up our children, but not to kill them, <laughs> you know, in this way that, that Abraham is, is being offered. And so, so there's explanation. And so you, when you go back to this John passage, and so he loves them, but yet he delays. And so what we have to ask ourselves as followers of Christ is, is God doing something in the delay? Is God doing something beyond our thinking, beyond our ability to understand in the delay. And so, and then, so you look at these two central figures, and, and I, 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 I love this passage because it, the, the, the meaning is just so clear. So here's Martha. So Jesus is on the way. So they're, they're expecting him, but he comes very late. Now it's kind of done already. And so he's on the way, and then Martha turns, and look what, look what she says to him. And very clearly, this is verse 21. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Look at this contrast that you look over. Um, look at verse 32. So now here's Mary, says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. They basically have the same exact question. Basically the same exact prayer. Lord, if you were here, my brother would be alive. But look at the response of Christ. And when we talk about prayer, and we talk about answered prayer and unanswered prayer, or I should say in this way, Jesus answers Martha's prayer very differently than he answers Mary's prayer. So, like, how do we, how do we get Mary's response? You know, or the response to Mary. That, that's what... As a Christian, that's what I want to know. Like, how can I get... So, so Martha says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And look, she's got really good theology. She says, even now I know that, you know, she goes on and on. And Jesus' response to Martha is teaching. He gets, I mean, good teaching. You know, I am the resurrection and the life. I mean, this is solid teaching. And that's good. But when Mary asks the question, what response does she get? She gets Jesus' emotions. He's, 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 he's moved in his heart. And then she gets Jesus' action. What does he do? He just says, basically, where have you laid him? Like, like kind of like, where is he at? You know, because uh, he's about to do some. You know, he's about to execute his teaching. That, that, that he just gave to Martha. And I don't know about you guys, but 
when you're asking God for something and he responds to you with teaching, like maybe you go to Pastor Sam Kim and you know, you've got all these uh, 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 queries of why and P. Sam Kim responds with teaching. Very frustrating, <laughs> right? Uh, trust me, I'm a pastor. And so I know, like I, I, would, I would rather, you know, just look at the person and say, don't worry, your daughter's healed, man. Right? Or don't worry, tomorrow you're going to get that promotion. Right? Don't worry about it. Yeah, that thing you've been asking for, right? Your husband, going to meet you next week. Right? We love to give that kind of prophetic pronouncement. But a lot of times we will usually say things like, the Lord has his ways. <laughs> the Lord is mysterious. Right? You know, maybe we quote passages like Deuteronomy. The secret things belong to the Lord. Right? <laughs> or like, thanks, man. But, but it's, it is. It's frustrating when, they, when we get the response. Of, and it's good. Like, it's proper. You get teaching. That's what Martha got. It says, let me, let, me, let me teach you, Martha. I am the resurrection. I mean, it's incredible. It's the most incredible teaching that you will hear. But look at Mary. Something very different. Mary says the same exact thing. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But then when Jesus saw, saw, sees her weeping, the Jews, he was deeply moved. And he said, where have you laid him? It's almost, you know, I mean, he's, he's going to, um, excuse my language, okay? But he's going to open up a can of whoop ass on the devil right now. I mean, this is, he's like, basically, where he at? You know, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to work right now. And the work of resurrection, the work of executing his teaching. So, then we have to ask the question, how can we move God's heart in this way? We clearly know he wants to do it, right? We clearly know he wants to do it. How do we move God's heart? And, and we, we know, uh, remember in Matthew, uh, in the, uh, I think it's Matthew 7, uh, when the scripture, uh, uh, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount talks about prayer. Do you remember? It's, it's, very, it's very simple. Ask and you'll receive, right? Uh, seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be answered to you. You know, Jesus is basically giving us a very simple teaching on prayer. The ask and receive is simple. You know, what, you know this is God's will. You ask, you'll receive. Seek and find. You don't know if it's God's will or not. Then you ask God if it's His will. And then the knocking is... You know it's God's will, but it's not happening. That's when you go into the knocking. And by the way, all this is, is written in what we call a present tense imperative, which means it's an ongoing action. You don't just ask once or seek once and knock once. It's basically keep knocking, keep asking, keep seeking. It's, it's a, 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 um, an action that's continually happening. And so, so you know it's God's will, you ask and you get it. It's done. Those are the best. So those are simple. You don't know what God's will is, then you ask Him. That's what that's what the seeking is. You you know it's God's will, but it's not happening. And this is this is most likely the the kind of Martha and Mary dilemma that that's laid out here. You know it's God's will. You know that 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 you're supposed to be married. 
You know that you're supposed to have a better career than this. You, you know that, that you're, you're, you know, the Lord has pronounced your, your, your mom is going to be healed. You know, you, you get these, these strong words from the Lord, but it's still not happening. And that's when you need to learn to knock. And it's interesting that if you look at most of Jesus' teaching on prayer, it's really centered around a central theme, which is perseverance. So there's something about that. So going back to this passage. So Martha gets teaching. Mary gets a response. So what's different about Mary? Obviously, it's not the words. So, the, so prayer is not a formulaic like kind of a kind of animism where we say certain words and then that empowers. No, because they said the same exact words. So what is the difference? May I suggest to you, it's the heart. And so it actually, you have to go all the way back into the Luke passage. And so you have, uh, you have Mary and Martha, and this is the first time we see them. Jesus comes to Bethany, and then Mary is so distracted, but, I'm sorry, Martha is so distracted, but Mary sits at Jesus' feet. And there's something about the connection between intimacy and answered prayer. There's something very distinct about our heart, and I imagine that you guys that come out to morning prayer, that you guys are involved in church, that you're involved in ministry, that you're, you know, you're busy serving God. Um, Be careful. Be careful. Because we could very easily make ourselves too busy for God. And that happens all the time. Um, And when we first started SP Hong Kong, um, I, I have a, I have a, pretty simple no burnout rule like I and I and I I believe this with all my heart um I don't believe in burnout (laughs) I like uh like being too busy in ministry I actually don't believe it I I don't think it exists um uh and it's it's not mind over matter or anything like that and when someone comes to me and they say oh I'm really burnt out I ask one question one simple question How's your relationship with Jesus? Because burnout is not a result of the busyness of ministry. Burnout is a result of a lot of ministry and no Jesus time. And, and so people, people all come up to me and say, Oh, peace, Sam, I want to I step down. And, uh, you know, I don't want to do this. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, I have, no, I have no issue with that, okay? I mean, people can step down and do all, whatever they want. But I just simply say, you know what? You're asking the wrong guy. I didn't ask you to do this. You know? And, and one of our things, our distinctives at SP is, uh, like, let's say, let's say Joe, people say, hey, I think Joe would be a great house church leader. And so, uh, you know, we go through this process. And then what we do is we ask Joe, Joe, you know, why don't you pray if you were to take up this position? Right, and so then let's say six months later, Joe's got the worst house church members. You know what I mean? They give him hell, and you know they never, uh, you know, they come late all the time. They're always like, you know, they all they come and they say they don't want to eat dinner and they eat all the food. You know what I mean? You know, one of those house church members. There's always one in every house church. Oh, I don't want to eat, and then they end up eating everything. 
and stuff. And so, or the one that only comes out to social events, right? You know, you know those house church members. And Joe's fed up, and he just says, "Okay, peace, Sam. I want to, I want to step down." And then usual response is, "That's great, you know, but you're talking to the wrong guy. I didn't ask you to do this. Jesus asked you to do this, and so you need to talk to Jesus." And sure enough, the guy goes and talks to Jesus, and and Jesus says, "No, <laughs> no I don't want you to step down. You're you're about to embark on something incredible." And things, and so it's, you're, you're, you know, you're basically asking the wrong person. And then what happens to the person? The person stays, and then the person has a breakthrough. Because you know who wants you to quit? It's actually the devil. And usually the way he does that, it's like a preemptive strike. What the devil wants, the devil wants you to quit because he knows there's a, there's a breakthrough right on the verge. And, that, and that's why we've had such longevity with our leaders is they understand this principle. When it's tough, God's about to do something big. The enemy knows that, so he tries to work all these different things to take you out of that place. And so I understand busyness in that way, but that busyness, if, if you're busy in ministry, kind of like Martha was, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. Notice Jesus didn't rebuke her for her busyness. He just said, there's another way as well and that's the way that mary's chosen to just sit at his feet listen someone's got to cook you know what i mean someone's got to make the food someone's and that that needs to be done but don't do that replacing what mary's doing which is seated at jesus there's this there's this incredible connection with intimacy and i think a lot of times christian leaders we mistake busyness we mistake doing ministry for actually being with God. And those are two totally different things. And, and, you, and what you need, you need to do is you need to have a secret life in God. You need to have this life with this, that's just you and Him. And, and no one else. There's this that place of intimacy. And that's what's going to fuel you, enable you, strengthen you, fill your cup to... Do all the things that you need to do. You know, I mean, listen, you know, I, there, I, I, don't, I don't know too many people as busy as me. I, I'm, just, I'm just being very frank in this way. You know, a lot of responsibilities, a lot of different things going on, a lot of different churches and things. And in my, in my experience, this is my personal testimony, I've never backslid. You know, I've been a Christian for 30 years. I've I, I been backslid. I haven't you know, any, any of these things uh, that, that typically happen. And it's because early on, I learned this principle of this secret life in God, that, that my source comes from the Lord. And, and everything flows out of my relationship. It's this, you know, uh, and it was, it was actually this teaching, one of my early mentors, he just told me very, very, very clearly, he says, you are not a human doing. You're a human being. Don't focus so much on the doing. Focus on the being. Which really, what he was trying to tell me was being with Christ. It's the John 15, that place of abiding. And, and when you're able to abide in the vine, then you're empowered and able to do all these things. You won't get burned out. You won't get bitter. You know, one of the things I always tell people, and you know, they come to me and they, they start complaining about being used. 
And I'm just like, didn't you ask God to use you? But now you're complaining about being used. Like, how does that work? Like, you clearly ask God, Lord, and we all pray, Lord, use me, Lord, use me. And then as soon as we feel used, we start complaining. Why? Because you're not abiding. Mary and Martha, this is this perfect example. It wasn't, and so it's not about being more articulate with our words, you know, in our prayers. If I just, and we get like, if I just say the right prayers, if I can just unlock, and we hear someone pray like, wow, that was beautiful. Let me just, let me pray exactly what that person prayed. No, because it's the same prayers, the same words. But the heart was manifestly different. And Martha got teaching, which is typically, Mary got the response. Where have you laid in? He weeps and then he cries out, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus rises from the grave. I, I wonder sometimes, and I don't want to make it formulaic in any way because it's not. I wonder sometimes how many of our prayers are delayed. And it's not, it's not a God issue. It's not a circumstantial issue. It's really a heart issue. And maybe we wanted it for the wrong reasons. Or maybe we were, you know, we were coming with an entitled mindset or these things. But when you're in that place of intimacy and your heart is pure before God, God moves. I mean, He moves. I can't tell you how many times, you know, like even with my wife, you know, we've been married 20 years now. And it's, 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 I, I remember particularly, and I, I, was, I was trying to woo her for two years. No effect, right? She didn't, she didn't see what I saw in myself, you know? <laughs> Sounds pretty bad. It's a no effect. And then it was, it was actually one day, and it was like this, this just like bomb dropped on me, and I surrendered. And, and I, I honestly told the Lord, I said, God, I really love this woman. If there's a better man out there for her, take me out of the way. Because I want what's best for her. Not what's best for me. In two years, I'll be honest, I was saying I'm the best for her. I'm, I'm the one. I'm the man, Lord. Right? I, I need to be your husband. And I finally got to that place of surrender, that place of honesty. And I said, I may not be the best man for her. Lord, if there's a better man... Take me out of the way. I, I'm fine with it. I surrender because I want her. I want her to be happy. And you know what happened? The next day, she called me. Never called me in my life. <laughs> Seriously, she called me out of the blue, and that's basically how our relationship started. Again, it was that place of intimacy, right? It's it's like you got out of self, and I realized, yeah, actually, I do love her, but that love means the best for her, not the best for me. And I wonder how many of our prayers are not answered because we haven't done the refining work of cultivating our hearts. Remember, Jeremiah says our heart is desperately wicked. Who can understand it? Right? And so that's, that's a battle inside of us. Right? So let's close our eyes. As Brian makes his way, this morning, let's cultivate our heart. Is there something that you're asking for? 
And maybe going back to the uh, Matthew 7 passage, is it something that you know it's God, but it's not really happening? Maybe right now you're only just getting teaching. You're getting scriptural responses. But really, God really wants your heart. He wants you to die to self. So let the Holy Spirit speak to you this morning of how to cultivate our heart before the Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Fall afresh on us. Remind us to abide. Or forgive us for being so busy, busy serving, busy doing. And that's great, Lord. But if it comes at the expense of abiding, we're in trouble. As Brian leads us, I just want to invite you to have an honest conversation with our Father. He's waiting for you.